coming up next on a very special Christmas Day episode of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. She says, uh, I almost called you at the apartment. She said, see if you had any potatoes. And I, I said, well, I didn't have any, any potatoes at the apartment. She says, well, I only have one. She says, but it's pretty good size. And uh, <laughs> so I'm thinking, we're going to split a potato four ways. Me and <laughs> yeah, me and Sally and, and Bob and the, the adopted daughter, we're going to split a potato. Sam Kosnati arrives in Seward, Alaska, just before Christmas and doesn't have anywhere to go for the holiday. So a coworker he barely knows invites him over for what turns out to be a very unconventional Christmas dinner. It's Christmas in Seward. Up next on Dark Winter Nights, true stories from Alaska. I'm Rob Prince. Happy Christmas to all of you out there from all of us at Dark Winter Nights. I really, really hope your Christmas Day is not going anything like that of today's storyteller. In December of 2000, Sam Cosnati had recently retired from his pharmacist job in Pennsylvania and at the tender age of 61 years old was looking for some adventure in Alaska. So he put the word out up here that he was looking for work and it wasn't long before he got a bite. Here's Sam. I get a call to come to Seward. And if I could relieve this lady that was going on a month's vacation out of Seward. And so I'm, I planned on getting to Seward about the 20th of uh, December. And I flew to Anchorage and got a bus to Seward. And when I got there, they picked me up at the bus depot and took me to the clinic and they told me, announced that uh, the, the manager of the clinic, her name was Sally. The clinic was a great place. It's right at the very end of the street in Seward overlooking the bay. And just very scenic and just a, a good pharmacy up on the second floor of this pretty nice building. So I checked in with them and there was a relief pharmacist there that I told them that I wouldn't come to work for them unless they had a person there to show me the operation. I wasn't going to just show up and have a computer system and everything that I wasn't familiar with. So they agreed to have this person there for a day or two while I, when I showed up so that uh, they could show me how to run the place. And so they took me about two miles uh, up the highway from downtown Seward to a uh, uh, apartment complex and the apartment complex that, it, that I had was a, a fourplex and this lady named Cindy who had been the pharmacist there for 20 years uh, they gave me her apartment and her two-wheel drive Toyota pickup truck so I start to work at the pharmacy and things are going real well I like the staff and uh this is an interesting place, by the way. There's no physician. There's me and a nurse practitioner and a physician's assistant, three people at the clinic with no physician on board. Mm -hmm. uh, and is a fairly large place for Alaska. And anyway, the three of us are kind of doing real well as far as diagnosing and recommending certain drugs for patients and that sort of thing. And, so about uh, a day or two before Christmas, uh, 
Callie says, uh, what are you doing for Christmas, Sam? And I said, well, much. And she says, uh, well, why don't you come to my place for Christmas dinner? And she said, uh, my brother Bob's coming up from Oregon, and my adopted daughter from Samoa will be there. And she said, uh, Bob's famous for making a strawberry pie. And I said, well, I can do that. I'd be glad to come because I, like I say, I'm, I'm like a lost soul in the sewer. I don't know anybody. I have nothing going on. Well, she says, I live in a trailer court down the road about a mile from your apartment. And she said, uh, the trailer is the color of a pumpkin. She says, you can't miss it. It's the pumpkin-colored <laughs> orange trailer. I said, okay, this will be working for me. She said, Sir, come on down about 3 p.m. I said, okay, great. Now, was there anything about working with her or anything that gave you any sort of concern that this might be kind of an odd Christmas? Not at the, not yet. I was interacting more with nurses and this physician's assistant, the managers in an office somewhere doing book work or whatever they do. So when you're a pharmacist in a clinic, uh, you don't interact a lot with the the business staff, so to speak. Okay. So I didn't know a lot about this lady, but uh, she was uh, probably 55 years old and nice enough and all that stuff. Um, I knew nothing about her uh, <laughs> eating habits or what, what kind of meal we were going to have for Christmas. I'm assuming everybody's going to have whatever they have at Christmas, turkey dinner or ham or whatever. So I'm just going to take it as it comes. I get up on Christmas morning, and it is flat pouring rain. Probably the first rain I've seen well, in the winter. Who sees rain in Alaska in winter? But Seward is on a coast where they get some weather systems, I guess, that are different. But anyway, it is just coming down torrential. So I'm looking at this these road conditions, and I'm really nervous about this two-wheel drive pickup truck. The apartment is very spartan. It has uh, one chair and a television, about a 32-inch TV. And it has a kitchen table and a couple chairs, but there's no furniture in this apartment except this lady's been working there 20 years, and she has no furniture. <laughs> I, I never did. I never did understand. When I would watch TV, I would sit in the chair and pull a kitchen chair up to put my feet up, and that was it. That was my furniture for this uh, month that I was going to be here. This is not a place you particularly want to hang out on Christmas Day. Pretty much anything is better than spending the day there. Yeah, that's that's one reason I decided hey, Christmas Day, even in the pumpkin trailer, is going to be better than this. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I get in the pickup truck and I start down the road, and I manage to go down my quarter mile road to the main highway, take a right. And the road is graveled very well. So I'm rolling along. I'm feeling good. And I go about a half a mile, and I'm supposed to take a left. Well, I take this left, and immediately I should have turned that truck around and gone back. I mean, I, this side road was looked like polished crystal that was just glistening. So oh. I knew I, I, knew I was going to have a problem. I, I could just see that this was a mistake. I guess it was because of the Spartan conditions in the apartment. I kept on going. <laughs> Did anyone tell you about putting weight in the back of a pickup so that it doesn't slide around? 
No, you know, no, nobody did, and that would have been a good. Yeah, that would have helped, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad because that sort of yeah solves that problem a little bit. You know, not completely, yeah, but it certainly helped. Yeah. So I I go down this road, and I'm, I probably didn't go a half a mile. I'm doing two miles an hour, if that. I mean, I am not even touching the gas pedal, and. The next thing I know, the back end of the pickup starts to slowly swing in a circle. So I, I do about three circles down the middle of this road, and it's all slow motion. I'm hanging on the wheel, not touching gas, not touching brakes. And the next thing I know, I the truck slowly comes to a halt and glides perpendicular and, and puts the tail end of the pickup in a snowbank about three feet high. I'm sitting there perpendicular to the road, not knowing what I'm going to do. So I'm sitting in the pickup, and I step out of the pickup and immediately start to damn near fall on my ass. I mean, I grab the door. I'm hanging on the door of the pickup truck. I've managed to crawl back into the pickup. And so I'm in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden here comes a a two-world two-door sedan vehicle coming down the road, a regular car, automobile. And these guys come to a halt, and they said, I start to get out to say something, I need help. And they said, mister, stay in the truck. They yell, stay in the truck. We're going to get you out of there. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can't, how am I going to do this? But it doesn't, the 20 seconds, 30 seconds go by, and the next thing I know, up comes a Jeep with a state trooper. And, I'm thinking these guys are they see they have CB radios are they calling each other I mean how do all of a sudden three people are here and <laughs> the state trooper again he yells stay in the truck Mister we're going to turn your truck around well I can't even stand up I don't know as we speak right now I don't know how these guys are standing up and how they're going to be able to push a, t- a pickup truck well they kind of, they must I don't know do people in Alaska have spiked shoes or something I don't know yeah but yeah we do <laughs> these, these three guys they grab the front end of this pickup truck and I'm just sitting in there like a passenger and they literally swing that thing around <laughs> back where I had just come from <laughs> that thing facing right I mean it was after they didn't they weren't even straining that's how slick that road was. Well, <laughs> I tell the state trooper, I said, look, uh, I'm trying to go to this trailer park, and I had missed my turn, by the way. He says, oh, it's back up the road about a quarter of a mile. He said, follow me. Well, I'm thinking, God, how can I follow you? I can't even drive this damn truck. So anyway, I don't know. It was like a miracle. I followed him, and I get to the right turn for the trailer park, and he points to it, and I wave at him, and I turn in, and luckily the road Going in was only about a hundred yards long, and it was it was soft enough that I was driving okay. So then I swing into the trailer park. Now the trailer park is all the trailers are on one side of a circle. They're on my right hand side, and on the left hand side of the circle, right across from all these trailers, is a, a row of garages. And now the inner part of the circle looks like a skating rink. I mean, it's shiny also, and it looks treacherous. So I see the pumpkin. So I pull up to the orange trailer, 
and slosh my way to the door almost <laughs> how again I'm, I'm nervous about even walking on this stuff so I, I managed to get to the door and Sam's unconventional Christmas is just getting started let's just say it's unlikely Norman Rockwell would have tripped over himself to paint the Christmas dinner Sam's about to have we'll have the rest of Sam's story in just a moment this is Dark Winter Nights true stories from Alaska the special Christmas in Seward episode I'm Rob Prince Well, optimism abounds with all of us at Dark Winter Nights, so we're trying again for our first live event since February of 2020. Mark your calendars in pencil again for Saturday, February 26th, 2022 at 7 p.m. in Lathrop High School's Herring Auditorium. We've already got some really awesome stories lined up, so it will depend on how the COVID situation shakes down. Masks and proof of vaccination will be required. There's more information at darkwinternights.com. That's also where you can sign up for our newsletter and always be the first to hear announcements like this. On top of that, if you're looking for a little more Christmassy programming, the Dark Winter Nights Christmas TV special is streaming right now at darkwinternights.com. The Dark Winter Nights team had a lot of pent-up energy from not being able to do live events, so we filmed an hour-long Christmas special this year for your amusement. It's our gift to you, and just remember, it's the thought that counts. When we left his story, Sam Kaznati had just survived a harrowing slip-and-slide ride in his truck over to his co-worker's trailer in Seward on a very, very rainy Christmas day in 2000. He'd finally made it to his co-worker Sally's pumpkin-colored trailer. Here's Sam. Sally comes to the door, and I go in. And somewhere to the right, there was a little living room area, I guess, and then a couple bedrooms back off to the right. And then to the left was your kitchen uh, with the table and chairs and the, all the, you know, the stove, refrigerator, and then her big rotisserie on the counter. The, the first thing that hits me is I don't smell any food whatsoever. So Sally says, come on in. And she said, uh, they're sitting at the kitchen table. She says, have a seat and we'll have, what, what are you drinking? And I said, uh, well, I'll have a bourbon and ginger ale if you got it. And she says, oh, no problem. Yeah, we got it. So anyway, they bring me a drink. And uh, she says, uh, I almost called you at the apartment. She said, uh, let's see if you had any potatoes. And I, I said, well, I didn't have any, any potatoes at the apartment. She says, well, I only have one. She says, but it's pretty good size. And uh, <laughs> so I'm thinking, we're going to split a potato four ways, me and <laughs> Yeah. Me and Sally and, and Bob and the, the, the adopted daughter were going to split a potato. So, uh, But anyway, my drink comes, and I'm noticing the, the, the color of the drink is, is not – it's a little uh, on the pale, not amber. Anyway, I said, I said this drink doesn't look – anyway, I, I'm drinking the drink, and I'm not complaining. And then the next thing I realize is that uh, they're making me drinks that are vodka and ginger ale. And I can say, oh. I'm like, I, I don't know. Is this a drink? Who drinks vodka and ginger ale? I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was not my preferred drink. So. But I'm not, again, I'm not complaining right now. And I'm not drinking much either because all I'm thinking about is 
going back home. And that rain is pounding on the roof of this trailer, not letting up one bit. So Sally finally uh, opens up the fridge after about an hour and pulls out this large standing rib roast. I mean, a nice-looking piece of meat, about eight or nine pounds, I guess. And she proceeds to put it on a uh, rotisserie that's sitting on the kitchen counter. And this thing is slowly turning, and maybe an hour goes by. And she says, well, let's get that, let's just dig into that roast. And I'm like, God, I know a little bit about cooking. There's no way in hell this roast is going to be ready <laughs> one one hour, you know. So, right. Anyway, everybody divvies up their quarter, the fourth of the potato, and uh, she brings that roast over. And, I mean, it was probably cooked about a quarter of an inch, and the rest of it was oh. raw meat. So, oh. So we proceed to have Christmas dinner with raw meat and uh, the fourth of the potato. Did anyone comment on it? Was there any mention of the fact that this isn't cooked through? Did anyone say anything? No, nobody said a word. <laughs> no. Wow. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, they might have been drinking pretty good before I got there. I don't know, to tell you the truth. I I mean, I couldn't tell exactly, but I I know I wasn't drinking a lot because, I'm like I say, I'm – I'm just all I can. I'm preoccupied worrying about getting home. Bob goes to the fridge and breaks out the strawberry pie, and it's in a box. And uh, again, he's famous for his strawberry pie. Now, I don't know if he makes this thing or transported it up from Oregon or what, but uh, who am I to complain or question anything? So I eat the pie, and it's, it's good. It's okay. So about seven o'clock, I said, Look, uh, I think it's time. I'm. They understood that I needed to get get out of there thinking about this weather. So I go out, leave the trailer, and again, pouring rain, slosh my way to the truck. Well, I've got to make a complete U-turn to go back out of this trailer park. And I start the engine and turn the wheels to the left. And, I mean, I just touch the gas. I mean, just because I know this thing is this. This thing is glistening like a skating rink. As soon as I give it the slightest amount of gas, the thing starts to glide across the center of this skating rink, heading right for this row of garages. I, I'm going so slow, I'm not going to get hurt, but I'm thinking, God, I'm going to wreck this woman's truck. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a nightmare. Well, right. keep the wheels cut to the left and no brakes, no gas, no anything. And I'm gliding slowly across the center of this skating rink. And I miss those garages by about two feet, and I'm, I let out a sigh of relief, and I look up, and, God, I'm heading straight towards a metal dumpster. I mean, <laughs> right towards the – I mean, I'm going to – this is going to be worse than the garages. But, uh, <laughs> Are you going anywhere near the direction that you wanted to go? Yeah, I'm, I'm slowly – the whole deal is sort of swinging back to the left, like I have to go back out that driveway to get to the road. Okay. All right. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, God, don't let this happen to me. Please don't let it happen. Well, I missed that dumpster again by about two feet. And by, so finally, and I, I end up right on the road heading oh, about 100 yards till I get to the to the Crystal Highway, which is my not the main road. It's the, the, the one that was that put me in the in the shoulder of the road in the first place. I have to drive up that thing. So. Right. I get to that road, and I take a right-hand turn, 
and again, I'm going five miles an hour, and it's like an act of God. I make it out of there, and I get to the main highway, which is well graveled. The, the, the main highway going to the sewer just is always in good shape. So I take a right-hand turn and go about a half a mile down that road, and then I take a left into the road for the department complex. Well, I get up the road about 200 yards, and there's a small bridge, and it has just the slightest grade. Well, I start up that grade. I mean, we're not talking about a hill, just the slightest grade. And that back end of that Toyota starts to swing back and forth, back and forth. And Mm. so I tried it about two times, and I said, I've had it. I can't do this. So I back that thing off and back it over to the shoulder of the road into the side of a snowbank, and I just park the thing, and I get out, and, again, it's pouring on me. I can see the apartment up there 150 yards away, so I walk to the apartment, and open the door of the fourplex, and there's a, there's a two two apartments on the ground floor. Mine's on the right, and the one on the left. So I open the door, and I look, and leaning against my door is this gift wrap package, a box. And I'm thinking to myself, these people in Alaska are something special. I said, you know, they don't even know me. I've never even met these people across the hall, and here they are putting a damn Christmas gift on my door. <laughs> well, so you got to remember, I'm in this, I'm in this lady named uh, Cindy's apartment, by the way. So I, I take the gift inside, and I think by now it's been kind of that day. I'm, da- I'm it's just about delirious, you know. I don't know what the hell is going on. So <laughs> I rip into this package. I rip into this package and little stickers on it and all that. I didn't even know what the, it didn't say Sam or anything else. I didn't even notice. But I open a box up and I pull out this crystal basket with a handle on it, cut glass crystal. Mm. And all of a sudden my light bulb goes on. I said, this damn gift isn't for me. This is for the <laughs> woman. And this is a woman's gift. This lady that lives in this apartment. <laughs> Anyway, I put this thing back in the box. I to put the wrapping paper back on it. Slap a couple of stickers on it. <laughs> stuck, oh. stuck it on the kitchen table for when Cindy gets back from her vacation. <laughs> so, after that Christmas, most of my Christmas has been pretty boring back in Virginia. After. That. <laughs> My Christmas in uh, Seward. <laughs> what do you think about Alaska now that it's been some time? Let's put it this way. I tell people my biggest regret in life is when I got out of pharmacy school that I didn't go to Alaska when I was about 28 years old. Wow. I would have become. I would have become a. I would have been an Alaskan. Believe me. Sam Kaznati. We recorded his story over the phone from his home in Virginia. Today's episode was edited by myself, Rob Prince. Story consultation by Lori Neufeld. Grab a pencil and that adorable new cat calendar you just got for Christmas and mark down the next Dark Winter Nights live event on Saturday, February 26th at 7 p.m. in Herring Auditorium. It's our first event in two years thanks to COVID, so grab your mask and vax card and get ready for our epic return to the stage. There's more information at darkwinternights.com. 
Not sick of Christmas movies and TV shows yet? Well, then we've got some great news for you. The hour-long Dark Winter Nights Christmas TV special is streaming right now at darkwinternights.com. The show features stories from Sarah Manriquez, Mercia Kallak, BJ Bennetson, and a live onstage interview I did with Curry the Goat, as well as a special musical performance by Fairbanks-based band Kinky Slinky. It's one humongous Fairbanks inside joke and our gift to you this Christmas, so we hope it fits. You can stream it for free at darkwinternights.com. I'm going to leave you tonight with an original Christmas song called The Night After Christmas by Fairbanks' own Bill Schnabel, accompanied by the Thneeds.
That was The Night After Christmas, an original song written and performed right here in Fairbanks by Bill Schnabel, accompanied by the Thneeds. Remember, these are the stories we tell on Christmas Day up here in Alaska on Dark Winter Nights. I'm Rob Prince.